Welcome to the Man in the Mirror Bible Study Podcast. Today we are continuing our series looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Our topic today is joy, no matter what. Our speaker is Pat Morley, author and founder of Man in the Mirror. Good morning, men. Welcome to Man in the Mirror, men's Bible study. Uh, We are doing this series, Fruit of the Spirit, and today we want to talk about the subject of joy, and I've titled the talk, Joy, No Matter What. So think now about joyful experiences that you have had. They stick with you, don't they? Special experiences, weddings, baptisms. One of my most joyful experiences, one of my top 10, I always go to this one first for some reason. When I think about joyful experiences, it's just I go to it all the time. I'm sure I've said it here before. When we brought our first child home from the hospital, our daughter's name is Jennifer. We call her Jen, J-E-N. And Patsy, my wife, and, and I were exhausted. She was more exhausted, so I said, I'll take care of Jen. And I took her uh, into our bedroom, and, and I was, as I say, very tired. So I laid down on my back on the bed, and I put this, this, little, this little creature, this little seven-pound creature, I laid her on my chest, and I felt the, her little acorn-sized heart go thump, 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 thump against my chest. And it just, tears of joy just exploded. It was the most incredible experience, something I think about all the, and it's as, it's as fresh of a joyful experience to me today as as the day it happened. Is there anything wrong with feeling joy? Is there anything better than feeling joy? Nothing's better than feeling a moment of joy. The first thing I want us to talk about, however, is this idea, it's hard to feel joy when you're hurting. It's hard to feel joy when you're hurting It may be a chronic illness, or in the case of one of our former speakers here, uh, who just uh, sent me a text this week that he just found out he has lung cancer and has 18 to 24 months to live. It's hard to feel joy when you're hurting. It could be a financial calamity. It could be a broken relationship that you have that's just hard to feel joy when you're hurting in any kind of a relationship. I have a a child. Many of you know that I pray for prodigals. I have a child that I've been praying for for 11 years. And uh, many years ago, I started praying for the parents of the prodigals too because I realized they're the ones that are probably hurting the most. And so I prayed for the parents, and this is someone I've stayed in close contact with. Um, I, I'd say, you know, uh, several times a month in this particular case. Not all the prodigal parents do I stay in touch with, but this is someone who's been a 
been a friend of mine for a long, long time. And so I've watched the sorrow of the parents as they ache and hurt for their child who is wayward. And forget about the faith piece of it, just the, the waywardness of the child making bad decisions, getting arrested. And so what's happened is they, over the last few weeks, have been involved in a wilderness program. And, and this child, this, well, this young man now, has, is in the process of coming to his senses, coming to his senses. And, and I, I received a picture yesterday from the father showing the face of the young man and the transformation of the hard lines into and, and the look in the eye that used to be there many years ago and the joy of the father sharing this news hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life it's hard to feel joy when you're hurting and then have you ever lost the joy this is a nonsensical question to ask you but have you ever lost the joy of your salvation of course you have of course you have david lost the joy of his salvation king david lost the joy he said in psalm 51 restore to me O lord the joy of my salvation. It's hard to feel joy when you're hurting. That said, the second thing I want us to talk about this morning is that God offers a joy that transcends our circumstances. He does. God offers a joy that transcends our circumstances. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the big idea. And then I want to kind of unpack that in the rest of our time together for. And it's a little, it's a little long, but that's okay. In this particular case, it's okay. And it may not even be the catchiest big idea we've ever done. But this, this is the big idea when it comes to having joy no matter what. Here's the big idea. Joy is happiness that transcends our circumstances because we are conscious of God. Joy is happiness that transcends our circumstances because we are conscious of God. There has been much debate and talk among theologians going all the way back to Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas tried to make the distinction between joy and happiness. And uh, there, there's a traditional theological trait of thought that tr makes a distinction between joy and, and happiness. Um, but what all of the thinkers 
are, are really getting at is that there is some kind of a concept that has to do with a happiness that revolves around the state of our circumstances. Things are good. We got the promotion. We got the raise. We got the car we wanted. We got the woman we wanted. We're happy. We didn't get the raise. We didn't get the car. We didn't get the woman. We're not happy. A circumstantial happiness. But joy is, is a happiness of a different kind. It's, a, it's an inner happiness. So the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control from, from the text in Galatians 5, which Brett uh, introduced last week. Not in that list are other fruits of the Spirit like hope and contentment. And joy has more to do with an, an inward hope and contentment. Thomas Aquinas, made, he talked about earthly happiness versus heavenly joy. But I would just say that I, in my way of thinking, um, I'm not saying that joy and happiness, those two words uh, are trying to make a distinction without a difference. There, you could make the case that there is a difference. And that's not what's really important here. What's really important is that there is a kind of happiness that does not depend on their circumstances. And it's, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's something that the Spirit of God gives to us. But there is a lot of confusion about this. A young woman came to work at Man in the Mirror many years ago, and she was messed up theologically. You know, bad theology Theology is important, but bad theology is, is, will really mess you up. And she had a grandmother who she was very, very close to. And her grandmother died. And at her church, she was told and believed that she should not be sad, that she should be joyful because her grandmother was in heaven. So the theological error there is that joy and sadness can't coexist at the same time, that there can't be two emotions, you know, that you, you must be joyful because your grandmother's in heaven, so you shouldn't be sad, and therefore you shouldn't cry. And so she didn't, and it messed her up for years and years and years. So I want to have us just simply understand and not, not try to over-parse concepts and words, but just understand that there is a kind of circumstantial happiness or joy that we have when things are going well. But even when things are not going well, there is this inner peace, inner contentment, inner hope, inner, inner joy, inner happiness that's available to us when we are conscious of God, because we are conscious of God. When we're, many ways to say this, when we walk in the Spirit, when we are in the Spirit, as the text surrounding the Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 talks about, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Uh, and then it talks about what the uh, sinful nature produces, but also then the Spirit, what walking in the Spirit produces, it produces love and it produces joy. Walking in the Spirit produces joy. So I'm going to uh, give you a, a few uh, examples of this. Uh, Joseph, uh, 
sold into slavery by his brothers, and he named his sons. He named his sons in, in Manasseh Ephraim uh, with names that reflected the uh, the the the, uh, the anguish of his circumstances, but also the hopefulness that he had in God. And and so when his brothers finally appeared, because there was a famine. He said to them, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many lives. And so he was able to have this deep-seated state of mind or spirit that depended on his consciousness of what God was doing, even though his circumstances were difficult. Job said to his wife when she said, well, why don't you just curse God and die, you know? And she said, oh, you foolish woman, though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. This is, a, this is the joy of the Lord. This is the joy of his salvation. This is this deep confidence, this hope, this contentment that he has because he's conscious of God that allows him to to maintain a spirit of of joy. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. What a great story. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, builds this big idol to himself and and, and demands that people bow down and worship him. And then he finds out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to do that. And he's furious. And he has them arrested. And, And he says, will you or will you not bow down to my idol, and and they say, "Oh, King, no, we will not bow down to your idol. Our God, who our great God, He will save us from from you throwing us into the fire. But even if He does not save us, oh God, we want you to know that we will never bow down and worship you." And then he. He heated the fire. The king heated the fire up to seven times hotter than it was. And even the soldiers who, who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, they were killed in the process because the fire was so hot. And, uh, and you know the story, perhaps, that the king saw a fourth man in the fire. Many, many of us think that that probably was a, a prefigured Jesus in the fire, or maybe an angel in the fire, the angel of God anyway, in the fire. And uh, and they were not harmed, but they had this they had this this happiness that just didn't depend on the circumstances. They didn't have to say we'll bow down to you, O King, so that we could be happy. They had this inner peace, this inner joy, this inner contentment that was a result of them being conscious of God, Jesus, and the Beatitudes. Uh, Blessed, which is the word happy, by the way, uh, happy are those who are persecuted. Happy are those who are mourned. This upside down way of thinking that Jesus brought into the world. The apostles, they were uh, post-resurrection. They, they were in Jerusalem and, and people were coming to, to faith right and left. And the uh, Sanhedrin had them arrested. They appeared. Uh, they were flogged. 
and told never to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that they, they left rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus because they had a happiness that did not depend on their circumstances because they were conscious of God. And then the great apostle Paul, who said, listening out a number of his different problems, talked about how he was, uh, how, how we were sorrowful, but always rejoicing. I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, maybe verse 10. And then we, we know that Paul had this thorn in the flesh. Uh, I've talked about this here recently. We don't know what it is, and that's probably a gift to you and to me that we don't know what it is. So we can see ourselves in his story. And uh, he, he begged God to take away this thorn in the flesh. He was very conscious of God. He begged God to take away this thorn in the flesh. And Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on, therefore, I, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight. I take joy in, I'm happy about. I, I take delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Because he was conscious of God. He had joy in all of these things. Some of you know that I went through a, a seven-year business crisis, seven years long business crisis of my own making. But anyway, I, I remember the day I thought I had a fix for it. I had been negotiating with the subsidiary of a large power company to buy, to buy me out. And it was a big, it was a lot of money involved. <clears throat> and uh, it was, a, the, 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 I had made the deal with the subsidiary, <clears throat> but it had to be approved by the board of directors of the parent company. And I was led to believe that it was, you know, a rubber stamp kind of a thing. Well, rubber stamp or not, <clears throat> the parent company uh, turned the deal down. And it was one of the worst days of my life, circumstantially, circumstantially, because I've been working on, first of all, my business has been going down, 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 down. And I've been working on this deal for, for, for at that point for over a year. <clears throat> so I called my wife, Patsy, my mother, Teresa, and, uh, she had lunch plans with her sister, uh, and, but she said, that's okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cancel my plans with, with uh, my sister, and, uh, and I'm gonna come and be with you. And so we went to lunch, it was a Morrison's Cafe restaurant, whatever they used, whatever they used to call it, what do they call it? Morrison's Cafeteria. Do they even have those anymore, I don't know. <clears throat> See, same thing Adam Morrison's having to be. So, uh, but up by the Altamont Mall, uh, there used to be a Morrison's across the street, and we met up there. And when I walked in, the the uh, 
the tears of, of joy just knowing that I had that one person who was willing to fight for me. The joy and sorrow when you have that one person who believes in you, who is willing to fight for you, who will stick up for you. And then later, uh, Tommy Burroughs, my lawyer, uh, when I was ready to throw in the towel and everything, said, give them whatever they, I, could, I did, I called him up, I said, give them whatever they want, I just can't do this another day. I'm just, I'm just so weary of this in my circumstances. I'm just so weary of this. And, and, and Tommy in his uh, Dillon, South Carolina, Southern Drawl, which I won't try to reproduce, he said, he said, Pat, I think I understand what you're saying. He said, I tell you what, why don't you just let me take over for a while and see what I can do. And the joy that flooded my soul. I knew that, uh, that God was answering a prayer. I, I experienced a happiness that transcended my circumstances because I was conscious of God. I knew that God had sent Tommy to me on that day. I knew that he had sent Patsy to me on that day. Isn't it wonderful when you know that someone is for you. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. Joy is happiness that transcends our circumstances because we're conscious of God. So last, let's just talk about how we can experience joy no matter what. Title of the talk, Joy no matter what. So for almost all of this, this will seem routine, mundane, repetitive. Haven't we talked about this over and over again? Yeah. But this is how to experience joy no matter what. It's to be conscious of God. That's what the text in Galatians is about. It's walking in the Spirit. It's being conscious of God. It's, it's how I ended the series on the spiritual disciplines a couple of weeks ago. I talked about a daily reset, a daily reset. And it's not trying to get better than you were yesterday. It's not simply trying to make progress in your spiritual journey, which, of course, you should try to do. But, but what, what, I, what I talked to you about is in the idea of a daily reset is that you're starting over. You just start over again from scratch. You, God has this huge gob of grace and he's standing up in heaven and he's just waiting for you to turn your thoughts to him and so he can take that big gob of grace and then throw it like a, a grace bomb that splatters all over you like that green goo from Nickelodeon or whatever. What do they call that? Slime. slime. A big gob of gray slime just splattering all over you. And, and not, not to make you better, but to, to give you a, a do-over, a fresh start every day. This is, this is the starting point for, for being conscious of God. It's just to start over every day. It's to let him wash over you, to heal you, to, to take away your sin, to forgive your sin, to take away your shame, 
to wash off the guilt with the blood of Jesus Christ. Psalm 118 verse 24 talks about this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us start over. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Do you see it? Do you see it? Be conscious of God. Start the day, be conscious of God. Maybe even before you roll out of bed. A daily reset. Start over. And the things you can do, renew your faith in prayer. Jesus talks about, you've not asked for anything in my name, ask and you receive so that your joy may be complete. Confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Abide in Jesus. Remain in me and I will remain in you, he said. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. A consciousness of God. Worship and be thankful. In Hebrews chapter 12, 26, verses 26 and following, it talks about how God will remove created things. The shankable kingdom. God is going to, in our, each of our lives, he's going to remove created things. Why? So that the unshakable may remain. He's going to turn our circumstances up, upside down from time to time, because he has, we're part of a, a much larger purpose and plan for not only our lives, but for the lives of everybody around us in the whole world. And so the writer of Hebrews goes on to, it says, therefore, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So what should you be thankful for? A blessing or a curse? Well, not a curse, but a blessing. Be thankful. It's a blessing. So when God removes the shakable kingdom and we don't be sad, be thankful. I'm be sad, but be thankful. Don't be like the young woman. I'm not saying that. Be sad, sure, that you, your, your circumstances are in a people, but be thankful too. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe because our God is a consuming fire. He's holy. Be filled with the Spirit. Serve others. Be a good steward. Doubt is required. That whomever has been given a trust must be found faithful. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. Make a sacrifice. Luke 17, 10 says, And you, Jesus said, and you, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Be conscious of God. Endure hardships and trials. We did a series on James recently. And in James chapter 1, verses 2 and, uh, two and following, it talks about uh, enduring trials and hardships. 
with joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Something similar is said in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, not a bad life verse. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you. They have joy. They have joy. Joy that is a happiness, as our big idea says, that transcends our circumstances. Because why? We are conscious of God. Let us pray. Our Father, our dearest Father, uh, oh, that we would be able to... Uh, it would be nice if we could swallow this whole message. Maybe, maybe some among us might be able to do that. But Lord, give us enough of a mouthful that we can swallow the message of your joy, a joy which can be a happiness that transcends our circumstances when we are conscious of you. And help us, Lord. Let, let this idea of the daily walk not become a trite idea, but help each of us, Lord, to each day do the things that work in our lives to help us to be conscious of you. We give you praise, glory, thanks, and honor for the joy of our salvation. Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the Man in the Mirror Bible Study wherever you listen to podcasts as well as on our YouTube page. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and share the podcast with friends. Since 1986, Man in the Mirror has been teaching the Bible, helping us reflect deeply as men and apply God's truth to our lives. This Bible study is recorded in front of a live audience every Friday morning outside of Orlando, Florida. If you need help navigating your life or leading other men, please go to maninthemirror.org and check out our vast library of Bible study videos, blogs, and articles on Christian growth and leadership. There are plenty of resources you can use to grow in your faith and help others grow too. At maninthemirror.org, you will find books written just for men, helpful materials for your church's ministry to men, and even a potential career in men's discipleship. If you're a man personally struggling in life, or you need help in discipling men, please send us an email at biblestudy at maninthemirror.org and let us know how we can help.